Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast here at moresportsnow.com. Along with veteran sportscaster Matt Lachlan and Steve Titchener, I am John McAlevey, and we're coming to you from our Westfield studios. On the line with us today is the newly minted Director of Athletics and Recreation at Seton Hall University, Brian Felt. Brian, thank you for joining us this morning. Great to be with you guys. Boy, I tell you, you must have a lot on your plate. So why don't you start with telling us the first thing that you did after the cameras went away and all of the bunting was up for your press conference. When you sat down in that chair, what was the first thing that you put your mind to? <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. Uh, you know what? I think um, that that was obviously, it was a special moment, obviously, for me to be to be named Director of Athletics here at Seton Hall. Uh, certainly a dream come true. I've said it many times as someone that, uh, you know, attended Seton Hall. Uh, I think the phrase I use, I really kind of grew up uh, at Seton Hall, not in the in the, the usual way where you, you kind of as a kid just kind of growing up around campus and that, that kind of stuff. But I just, my college years were really influential times as they are for many people uh, where I kind of really just, I grew up and this campus had a great impact on me. The university had a great impact on me. I met my wife here uh, and then my three children, in the 16 years that I worked here um, previously really did grow up uh, on this campus. So it's, it's certainly been a big part of my life. So that moment when I, uh, you know, after the press conference was over and all that, uh, the next week when I started, uh, I think the first thing I really did was um, really just kind of, I, I just started meeting with staff uh, because I just wanted to kind of set a tone with everyone that was within our department of, you know, those that certainly didn't know me, what kind of person I am, how I, how I, uh, my expectations and how I intend to uh, to lead the department, and uh, and that was really kind of from there. We just kind of kept going. Uh, there was really no stopping or or, or sitting back and uh, thinking about the moment. It was uh, it's been go since uh, since I started. Absolutely, and you mentioned all of your time spent there at Seton Hall. You have basically worn every hat that there is at the <laughs> school, from student to graduate student. You worked in the senior. Uh, administration for athletics development. And really, Brian, you were involved in so many different things. So it wasn't just all sports. There was a ton of fundraising that you did. There was a yeah. lot of the branding of the school. And uh, how did those chores sort of uh, meld you into uh, the athletic director that you are now and hope to be in the future? Yeah. I mean, well, for me, I mean, I came from a completely different, this was never, uh, you know, if I go back 20 years, this was never the goal. This was never even kind of really had been a thought to me, this career track. I, when I graduated Seton Hall uh, in the nineties, I, I wanted to work in television broadcasting. That was, you know, it always been my dream as a kid, uh, kind of wanted to be in that world. And I, I was very fortunate at a young age when I graduated Seton Hall to be, you know, I started in the, the ranks of a PA and the, and the associate producer and kind of started doing some field producing. And that's really what I love doing. Uh, but just made a career change down the road, had different factors kind of come into play. And fundraising was certainly not anything I really had even <laughs> thought about or did I even understand. Yeah. Um, when I had a, a friend of mine who I went to Seton Hall with called me from the university and said, listen, you, we need some fundraisers over here. You'd be perfect. I heard you're trying to change things up. And I said, yeah, but that's definitely not what I'm interested in. Uh, that The asking people for money thing to me was just petrified. So... <laughs> But what I learned was it wasn't it really fundraising isn't that did I mean it's certainly that's a part of it, but it was relationships. Uh, it, it's building relationships, and that's what's taught me more than anything 
to this day, I, I learned through my early years in fundraising when I came to Seton Hall back in 2001 as an employee, raising money for the university's annual fund. It was relationships and just learning the importance of building those relationships, maintaining those relationships, uh, and just how valuable these relationships could be, uh, not only for the the goal at hand that you you were working towards raising funds for the university, but just personally, you know, the growth that you get from the relationships that you build. So I learned a great deal in those years before I got into athletics about how important that was. And that really just kind of carried me through as I started raising money for athletics and then kind of just gaining more uh, experience and, and taking on more you know, different uh, roles within the athletic department. I, I still carry that with me. At the end of the day, relationships are such a huge part of how successful we can be. There are so many sports that you oversee, but the one that garners the most attention kicks off. Well, I guess there there's a preseason game tonight, uh, yeah. and, and there was one last week, but it'll kick off a week from tonight uh, when Wagner's at Walsh Gymnasium and, and the 1920 basketball season on the men's side gets underway. Uh, there's as much excitement around the program, Brian, as there has been in maybe forever, quite frankly, <laughs> uh, because of the 12th ranking in the country, because of Miles Powell coming back, being yeah. voted to be the number one team in the Big East. He's the preseason player of the year, et cetera, et cetera. Can you give us an idea of what it's like around the campus right now? It is special, Matt. It really is. I mean, you say almost ever. It's kind of funny. I, we, we have this conversation among staff a lot because, I mean, there are, we have a lot of staff members that are also alumni. Um, and I certainly as an alum, as somebody that has been around here, I mean, I came, I remember going to the game, and I think it was 93 when Terry DeHare, we were, they were, you know, Seton Hall retired his number against St. John's in, in the Meadowlands, you know, uh, Senior night, the whole the place, Meadowlands was sold out. It was insanity, and I remember, I remember actually scalping tickets in the parking lot to go to the game because <laughs> uh, I was, I was an income, I hadn't come yet. I was, I had just applied to the university, and um, he, that was a pretty. I mean, I remember how exciting that team was, and and I think that's probably the closest. This, this is pretty. Uh, pr the anticipation for this season reminds me a little bit of ninety three, ninety four, and how good that team was, and the expectations for that team. Um, but you're right. It's been a, it's been a long time. I, it could be the most anticipation we've probably had ever. You're right. Um, campus is buzzing. People, you know, it's special when you're you're in a meeting about you know it could be something as mundane as you know another topic. I can't even think. But and people just want to talk about basketball. Uh, or when you're at alumni events and people are just you know, that's that's the the sense of the room. Everyone's just talking about basketball and the excitement of going to the games. And it really is illustrated to us when we see our ticket sales numbers and see how excited people are to come to these games. And we just announced two more yesterday, two more sellouts of the lower bowl at Prudential Center. We're at six sellouts now. I mean, this is, this is for us, there's a lot of firsts happening right now in terms of, you know, ticket sales numbers and, and, and what we're, uh, what we're seeing from the fan base. So the excitement is without question. It's, it's, it's there. How do you manage expectations? <laughs> so I say it all the time. I said, gosh, I, Sometimes I love being, uh, you know, a little bit on the outside and kind of working our way in, which is what we've done it the last couple of years. Uh, it's different when you're the hunted, right? It's it's a whole other animal. Uh, I talk to Kevin about it all the time, and he he's you know he's certainly aware of that, and he's great on on teaching his his uh, his students, his student athletes, the importance of of uh, every season. The focus is the same, regardless of what your uh, what your expectations are. Um, so it's trying to keep that mindset. 
but at the same time, you can't help but get caught up a little bit in the excitement. Uh, you certainly want to capitalize on excitement when it's happening. Um, so you're, you're going to be part of it, whether you like it or not. And that's a good thing. Uh, but you manage expectations in the best way you can. You, you understand you're dealing with young men, student athletes, you know, 18 to 20, 21 years old, um, who are going to, you know, certainly go out there and represent Seton Hall the best light they can. But, you know, you got to play the games. And so that's the next step. You know, it's, this is all exciting. This is all great. But now we got to go play the games. Absolutely. And you mentioned, uh, Matt mentioned that the, the curtain is coming down for the season. Will the curtain for the upper bowl be coming down at the Prudential Center? I know that the Michigan State game, I think, is the one that everybody's been circled with Cash, sure. uh, Cassius Winston and Tom Izzo and the crew coming in. Will that be something? I know that you've talked about it and you don't want to open it and have it empty. But uh, there's a lot of, as you mentioned, ticket sales. You've got two more sellouts of the lower bowl. I know you've looked into it. Is that something that we might see this season with the expectation so high? Yeah, we absolutely are going to we're going to raise the curtain on the two two sidelines essentially for at Princeton for six games. We've we've already committed to that uh, because sales have been so strong. To give you an idea, I, I remember when we first moved to Prudential Center, and I was really I was overseeing Pirate Blue at the time and, and doing some external things, and really we were working on a priority seating plan as we were moving to Prudential Center, and the the certainly the. The very nice piece of Prudential Center was we had this ability to curtain the upstairs and really kind of build a very uh, more intimate, really, environment for our fan base and for our games. And, you know, downstairs, the number's kind of grown over the years as we've added floor-side seats in and things like that. You're around 10,000, uh, you know, it's roughly like 10,300, I think, downstairs. Um and early on, when we would get to a sellout in those first few years, which would happen occasionally, most sellouts would only happen really with 24 to 48 hours before the game. So opening the curtain was truly never an option because, one, you would take away the intimate environment that you're trying to build and that that excitement around just kind of being in this, this arena. And now you'd have the cavernous feel upstairs again that you didn't want to do. So when we have it like we have this year, and we've had it certainly over the last couple of years for a game or two, you've got a longer runway to be able to really start to sell the upstairs, it makes more sense because then you can really, obviously, you can increase the amount of people, obviously, that have access to the game and at the same time still you know, still ensure that environment that you want. So certainly Michigan State, we raised the curtain. We were able to sell that game out you know, early October. Um, so, and sales have gone very well upstairs. So right now the two curtains will go up on both sides of the court for these six games, uh, Michigan State being the first one. As sales go... They'll pretty much, you know, spell out what we'll do moving forward. Do we open a curtain on the end zone? Um, very possible that at least one of those will be open, and we can try and fill that section up. Um, do we get a complete sellout? I I don't know. It's possible uh, if sales can keep moving and keep going the way they are, and and certainly uh, the fan base has responded, you know, fantastically so far. It's it's it is possible. Michigan State certainly probably be the the best chance right now because it is selling so well. Well, on the court, Brian, obviously you're in good hands with Kevin Willard. He's done a fantastic job. You're coming in. I mean, what's your relationship like with Kevin? And and as an AD, how do you manage the head coach? Do you have regular meetings? How does that all work? Well, it's great because, I mean, I, I, I was really fortunate to be with Kevin when he came in here, uh, you know, it's 10, 11 years. Uh, Kevin was was fantastic to work with from from my aspect when I was here as the, the you know, the, the senior associate uh, AD for external and, and Pirate Blue. He understands the importance of, of fundraising. He understands the importance of fan relations. He's very good with that kind of thing. And we really, uh, we built a, a really solid relationship in my 
in my previous tenure here. Um, so that was great. So and I've kept in touch with Kevin over the years, and to be back now together is is certainly exciting. Kevin and I meet, you know, uh, fairly regularly. I mean, we see each other pretty routinely, obviously in the department. Um, but uh, you know, I I have a, I'm not. I'm not. I, I try to pride myself on not being a micromanager. Kevin certainly, I don't think needs that. He's done a tremendous job in doing what he's done. Uh, I do. You know, Pat Lyons, who was here before me, I think manages very similarly than I to, to the way I have. Um, I certainly try to communicate with coaches as much as I can, um, and we we will review things as as an unneeded basis. But and then we certainly meet. Um, you know, maybe once or twice every couple of weeks here and there when we, when we can sit down and just catch up on things. So, um, I know, I don't mean to make it sound so relaxed, but at the same time, um, you know, we have a really good trust amongst each other that I think really helps our relationship. That's outstanding. And I'm sure you'll be, or you would be meeting more with him. Uh, if, uh, if word comes down finally that, uh, Seton Hall will be building a practice facility. I know I have something in common with Seton Hall. I'm a Providence College graduate, and I know that these small Catholic universities and colleges have a small footprint. You know, they're they're right intermingled with uh, small hometowns, and I know that there's not a lot of room to really build and grow. Uh, luckily, up in Rhode Island, the Friars were able to put up a beautiful brand new uh, Ruane Development Center, which has been, um, it's been beautiful, and it's it's really ballyhooed around the country. And I know that's something that you guys are looking into and that you would like to do. Uh, and I know that was probably one of the first questions you had at your press conference. And I think it's maybe now the fifth question that we're going to ask you here, but <laughs> what, what is the, what is the outlook in the plan? I know that, uh, uh, that is something you're working on, I'm sure. Well, it's certainly been the dialogue between Kevin and I, we certainly have talked that, about that uh, plenty since I've been here. I've certainly talked about it plenty with lots of folks. I, it's it's a it's a top priority, um, as is you know certainly uh, ensuring our, our men's women's basketball program uh, is is properly supported. Uh, we certainly know the value in that. Providence, you bring up a tremendous example. Um, you know I, I, what Ed Cooley's done up there and, and what they've done to to uh, to build that complex is just fantastic. I know our staff, uh, some of our staff has actually gone up and seen it. Uh, I have not had that opportunity yet, but I look forward to to checking it out. Uh, we, we've seen other facilities certainly around the league and around uh, around the area. So it's it's a, absolutely a top priority for us. I've spent some time already um, looking at some you know some renderings and things like that that we put into it. We're working on some financial planning for it, take, take, take it to see what, you know, what, what the cost will be. And we're really kind of combing through it. Kevin's been a big part of that. Certainly his input is, in, is, is important. Uh, and we're certainly working with the, with our campus, uh, on, on how we can go about addressing this. And, you know, the university is going through a lot of, you know, certainly, you know, we have a new president who just started, uh, in August. So we have a lot of, I think, changes on the forefront, if you will. Um, and this is going to be part of that as we do some strategic uh, planning for the university. I think this facility will be a main part of that strategic planning. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting it getting it going. Uh, and I can tell you that once we do kind of have plans in place, uh, we will be making sure everybody knows about it because we'll certainly need some support. So that kind of pushes us uh, to the other quote unquote sports that you have to oversee. We know that men's basketball may be the tail that wags the dog, but it mm. is very important for you to make sure that everyone gets a part of your attention. So let's talk about women's basketball a little bit. Uh, high expectations there as well. And Seton Hall had the preseason player of the year on the women's side too, and Shadeen Samuel. So there's excitement uh, across the board from a basketball standpoint, isn't there? 
It is. It's fantastic. I mean, to be able to, <laughs> I made the joke. I said to the joke to Pat Lyons, who obviously, I, uh, you know, was here before and, and still is with the university as the chief of staff. Uh, I mean, in my first what month and a half, I'm at a, I'm at Big East Media Day, and I've got, uh, I've got a preseason number one men's basketball program, preseason number three women's, and the preseason player of the year on both. I looked at Pat. And said, I don't even know what's so hard about this, Pat. I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, I got this down. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I mean, it's. It's just a testament to both of our coaches, the work they've done and in, in recruiting the right student athletes. Uh, on the women's side, Shadeen Samuels, uh, she's just fantastic. She's a great representation of our program. Uh, I'm really excited for her. Uh, she's worked hard to get that honor. Uh, she's battled through a lot of different injuries over her career to get there. And uh, and I'm excited to see what the women's program can do this year. Um, you know, Tony's done a nice job. He's got a, a really interesting squad this year in terms of a lot of new pieces. Um, so I think everyone's really excited to see what they can do. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's been fantastic knowing that we have the preseason player of the year on both sides too. It's it's just it's very it adds to the excitement. And for Seton Hall fans who are listening, what what can you tell us about your plans for what they call uh, euphemistically the Olympic sports that Seton Hall offers? Uh, every athletic department, every school prides itself on trying to be the best they can across the board. There are schools, or excuse me, sports that lead the way. We understand that, but the depth of success is what separates schools. So, what what stories can you tell us there? Yeah, you know, it's uh, we have 14 uh, Division One programs. Uh, you know, we when we talk about facilities for these programs is where we're doing some things right now. So I'll, t- I'll touch base with that. For example, right now for our men's and women's soccer program and our baseball program, we have ONT Carroll Field. Uh, construction has been ongoing for the last year. Uh, we've put some brand new turf down out there. We've built more of a stadium field to the baseball side. We've put some new seating in for soccer, uh, chair backs on both sides, uh, put in new press boxes really just kind of built up the field to make it more of a stadium. Uh, we are going to name the stadium uh, Mike Shepard uh, Senior Stadium. So it'll be O&T Carroll Field at Mike, Senior, Mike Shepard Senior Stadium uh, to certainly honor the great uh, Mike Shepard, our, our former baseball coach. Uh, it, it looks beautiful. When you come onto campus, it, it gives our athletic facilities much more of a presence uh, as we're on the main drive there. Um, it, the stadium is going to be beautiful. It, it's already come together. It's got a beautiful brick facade to it, uh, you know, with stadium seating in it, chair backs, the whole thing, brand new dugouts. We We've put in bathrooms out there now, which which will make it, I think, a bit better for the fan experience. Uh, and our soccer programs have been able to play in it already, which has just been fantastic. So, um, and men's soccer, you know, it's probably having one of uh, uh, more exciting fall seasons right now for us. Uh, they just tied uh, the number four team in the country last week, one-one uh, against St. John's, and they're they're playing for a, a berth into the Big East tournament, which would be the first in several years for for our men's soccer program. So. Uh, those are some of our programs in the fall, obviously, in the facilities we've been working on. Women's basketball, which you just touched on, we're going to uh, break ground on a renovation for Walsh Gymnasium in April, uh, which will be a big boost to women's basketball and our volleyball program. Uh, we're going to put a brand new floor in, uh, new baskets, and then also redo the seating throughout Walsh Gym. As anyone that knows Walsh Gym, it's one of those old, iconic, historic gyms uh, that, that is in need of a little bit of an update. Um, and so we're going to put new seats throughout the entire gym, get rid of any bleacher seating, put chair backs in. We're going to put a center-hung scoreboard with video boards, uh, really just kind of update the feel of, of, of historic Walsh Gymnasium. So I'm excited about that as well. And I'm excited for our baseball team to have a new stadium to play on. And uh, and for all of our sports, we, we continue to invest in the facilities that can, can certainly improve all of our sports. On a broader picture, Brian, what do you see as the, the future of 
the Big East with Connecticut coming on board now. Uh, how important was that addition? Uh, is, will that be it? What does Val Ackerman, uh, the commissioner, say about any other expansion? And what does that mean, that addition of an old Big East school kind of making it more like the Big East, although certainly that flavor has uh, really come alive again. But you know what I mean? You're bringing back an old friend. Yeah, and I think it's the perfect addition. I mean, we're only making ourselves stronger. So at the end of the day, I mean, you can't. There's really no negative to it in that regard. It's funny. I mean, you, you remember back to when the Big East, you know, when the whole when the all these conference realignments started to happen years ago, and 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 people started saying, well, you know, is the Big East able to survive this? You know, going basketball only, you know, ten schools, and everyone that was in the Big East, we really were like, well, this is this could be really tremendous because we have 10 like-minded institutions now and we have, you know, this basketball driven mentality. And then we, you know, in, in the years since we've, you know, Villanova's won two national championships and we've had years when we've had 70% of our league is in the tournament. So, I mean, we've certainly responded, I think, in saying that, yes, the Big East, the Big East is fine. The Big East is strong. And I think that was our, you know, that was our mentality as a conference too, for so many years was, you know, we're not looking to add schools right now because We've we've kind of got this this you know like minded institution thing figured out. Basketball is certainly driving the bus, and it's 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 making a lot of sense. But then you looked at UConn situation, and I think for the for several years, I think there were some rumblings about you know this can make sense for UConn, this can make sense for the Big East. Uh, so at the end of the day, I you know not being here when the decision was made, I mean I I certainly could see why we would make it, and I'm excited to welcome UConn back to the conference because, as you just said, man, I mean you're bringing back some of that old Big East flavor into it um, and really kind of preserving what you've been doing already as a conference and now just making yourself stronger. I don't think that there'll be, you know, I, again, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're looking at any more for former, you know, future additions right now. Uh, I think right now we just looked at it as because we've just made ourselves stronger, adding a really top notch program in UConn um, that, certainly strengthens our Big East basketball tournament brand and our entire brand as a basketball conference. So uh, we're comfortable with that. Not only that, you're bringing back a fellow pirate in Danny Hurley will be right. uh, stopping the sidelines. And that is something that he has down to a T, stopping the sidelines. And, <laughs> you know, the program took a little bit of a hit after, well, Kevin Ollie won a national championship, but they've sort of, you know, haven't been all that great the last couple of years. But Danny is recruiting up a storm. And it's one of those be careful what you wish for back to the Big East because Connecticut is uh, is on the rise again, it seems. So it will be nice to have another uh, really good team in, in the conference for the coming future. No, I agree. I think it's a great draw for everybody, for our fan bases. I think it's great. It's exciting. And I mentioned the Big East tournament only gets stronger. Um, and then, you know, I think the only people probably that are like, oh my God, I got to play UConn or our head coaches right exactly, now. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just sitting here, oh man. I mean, we, everyone understands how much sense it makes, but it's, it's just a really, it's another big, uh, big opponent we have to challenge. And moving even to a bigger picture, what, what is the future? What do you see down the road as you look into your crystal ball, what the NCAA might look like. We know about the Power Five conferences, football driving that bus. You've got a great basketball conference in the Big East that certainly has a role to play in whatever the future will be. What what are we going to see as this continues to shake out? Uh, you know, I think it's it's one of these really interesting times as we talk about the NCAA. I mean, obviously, the you, you didn't mention it, but I think one of the most public things that's certainly happening is, you know, uh, name, image, image, and likeness is certainly a hugely debated topic. And I think that's going to, 
I think it's going to play a big part in where the NCA kind of goes. And I think we're all kind of spending our time right now. We're waiting for some of the review to come out from the uh, the committee that's that's looking into this for the NCAA. And uh, I think it's going to it's it's going to be. It's going to be change that I think we all knew was coming, uh, and now we really have to see how that's going to shape itself. I know we've got government involved, and you've got states making, you know, putting into into law all these different kind of things. And I think the NCA knows that that that's. I think as membership, we all know that's really not the answer. Uh, what we do know is that there's got to be some sort of, you know, happy medium, as as they say, or or, or some sort of uh, solution that kind of bridges the gap. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. When it comes to conference re- realignment, I, I've always felt that pendulum would swing back eventually. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see when that or how that kind of plays out moving forward. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a, certainly a lot of, uh, of things that we're mindful of. Uh, I think the NIL stuff is really at the top of everyone's mind as we look to the changes the NCA will be, um, be, you know, implementing uh, in the future here. So, um, but the world's changed. So, I mean, everything we're changing kind of, it's, it's one of these kind of things, you know, we've, you know, the world has changed in the way we consume, the way we do so many different things now that the NCA is, is going to have to kind of change with it. And, and as institutions, we've, we've dealt with that and we'll continue to deal with that. Brian is a, a Rutgers alum. I, I uh, want to get a little scarlet red in here, but uh, but <laughs> let's let's talk a little uh, New Jersey basketball as a whole, and and you know the Garden State Hardwood Classic. I mean, extended through 2026. It's a it's a fantastic event. It's a great rivalry. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the event and uh, its uh, its effect on New Jersey basketball? I love it. Uh, it's it's something that I was really uh, I was fortunate enough to be instrumental with uh, years ago when we started to bring it back. I remember when it, you know, I think we used to be called like the Star Ledger Shootout when we started doing it years and years ago. Then we kind of, you know, Rutgers wasn't in the conference anymore. We uh, we kind of had a break, if you will, in terms of playing the game. And then when we were able to really kind of put it back on the map, uh, both schools really. Um, I think Jeff Brown was at Seton. I was at Rutgers at the time, um, and Kevin Lorenz, who was their sports information director, who's still there. And Kevin's fantastic. And then myself, and then folks on my staff, we all got together on a conference call one day and said, "Listen, we want to build this back up." Um, we want to really kind of put a name to this, much like the tournament, much like those rivalries you see, uh, you know, college football has them and, and some college basketball games you see have these rivalries. Uh, we want to kind of institute that and put that back in place, kind of you know, similar to what we had years ago with that Star Ledger shootout that I mentioned. Um, and really, everybody got together and um, ideas were flowing like crazy, I can tell you, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and we put together what we, we called the... Uh, the, the shootout, either the hardcore shootout. So it was really exciting. Um, the Garden State, sorry, the Garden State Hardwood Classic is the name. And uh, when we got it together, I remember we did a press conference at the Skylark Diner down in Edison, and we really tried to make it that Jersey feel. And I and I think it really has stuck. I mean, the fans seem to respond to it. We do do well when we host it. Rutgers has done very well when they host it. I think what they've done, what Coach Peichel's done down there, has really kind of gotten that program on the right track. Um, so we, we, every time we play this game, regardless of you know, you know where we might be in the standings, it's a it's an absolute dogfight. So I, I think Rutgers has already sold out our game against them. So that's exciting to see. I love mm-hmm. seeing that, um, and I'm excited to play it every year. It's a, it's a it's yeah. a battle, and it it really brings a, an exciting you know contest to our non conference schedules. December 14th at the rack. Yeah. Really excited about that. Uh, tell us about your relationship with Pat Hobbs and, and what, what you think he's doing, how he's doing uh, as AD for Rutgers. 
Uh, Pat's great. I've, I've, I've known Pat a long time. Uh, certainly Pat was the uh, interim athletic director here and I reported to Pat for a little while, but I knew Pat previously. Uh, Pat and I had gotten together. We had worked on several fundraising initiatives when he was at the law school and I was raising money for the university. Uh, always really hit it off with Pat. He's, he's just, uh, he's a tremendous person. Uh, I'm excited for him and, and, the growth he's really kind of brought to the table at Rutgers, um, you know, as I see it from a department-wide thing, as they continue to grow in the Big Ten, uh, it's fantastic. So, uh, Pat was one of my first phone calls I got when I got this job. He was uh, he he gave me a ring, and it was great to talk to him. I don't I don't talk to him as much now. He's a Big Ten AD, but uh, <laughs> we cer- we certainly do touch base from time to time. We have a good friendship, and uh, and I look forward to seeing him in December. Is he asking you who who he should hire as the football coach? <laughs> <laughs> he knows better. I don't want to get involved in his football. Uh, Fair enough. Football. Yeah, he's got plenty of what to do with on his own. You don't uh, tell me who to talk about, and I won't tell you to hire. Yeah, exactly. he knows what I have to but I'm not his source for college football anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that's terrific. And Brian, we really want to thank you for carving out a little time. I know you're a busy man uh, at this stage of the year. And uh, listen, a, hit, a tip of the cap to my sister, Susan Sarland, who sort of put this together. I understand Susan's son and your son are classmates at New Providence High School. They are. They both they, they both are classmates in high school. In fact, I taught... Uh, geez, I think I co- I coached soccer. I think uh, her son and for a little bit when I was in New Providence, uh, coaching soccer. So yeah, we've got a good relationship. Is that right? Okay. Well, again, thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to following the Pirates all season long. Pleasure to be with all you guys, and uh, and I appreciate the time. And go Pirates! All right, thanks, thanks, Brian. Brian. Thanks, Brian. Take care, guys. You too. Bye bye. And we'd like to thank Brian Felt, the Director of Athletics and Recreation at Seton Hall University, for joining us this morning. He's got a lot on his plate, gentlemen, and he's really eager, and it sounds like he's up for the chores. No, I think it's a great hire by Seton Hall, uh, young, enthusiastic. He's got pirate blue running through his veins. And so uh, he enters, as he mentioned, at a very exciting time from a Seton Hall perspective with the basketball programs, uh, very prominent and most prominent among Uh, The sports, of course, is men's basketball. And we'll see what happens. 12th in the country coming into the season. We'll see how things shake out in the Big East. But lots of excitement in South Orange and, of course, at Prudential Center where they play their home games. As he said, it's different being the hunted uh, rather than being the hunter, which uh, Seton Hall has been for many years. But, uh, again, we'd just like to thank Brian Felt, the athletic director at Seton Hall, for joining us. And we'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of the podcast here at moresportsnow.com. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you down the road. Bye-bye.